So the New Yorker magazine is not usually a go-to for me. It's not usually my sense of humor. But someone shared an article earlier this week that was uh, interesting, kind of an imaginative humor piece by a writer named Zach Bornstein. And it was called A Typical Day. A Typical Day. It starts like this. Midnight to 8 a.m. Vividly hallucinate while paralyzed atop a cushion-topped box of metal springs. Midnight to 8. <laughs> One more time. Vividly hallucinate while paralyzed atop a cushion-topped box of metal springs. I mean, that literally describes every single night of my life, right? <laughs> Typical. 8 o'clock. A small plastic box generates fast-moving vibrations, strong enough for my eardrums to register them and communicate to my brain that it's time to switch from a hallucinating state to a state of gathering food and information. <laughs> Again, we're two for two, 100% what happens to me. He says, I smack the box. <laughs> 8.05, spin a dial to release water that's traveled from the top of a mountain through a maze, a vast underground maze of metal pipes until it reaches my body's outermost layer of skin. Watch as it rinses off the salty liquid that my body secretes through thousands and thousands and thousands of tiny holes while I hallucinate overnight. 8.15. Insert and agitate a brush into my mouth. A brush created by children halfway around the world to remove the minuscule, invisible, but independent living creatures from the bones in my mouth, bones that I use multiple times every day to turn dead plants and animals into a soup before swallowing it for nourishment. He says, forget to floss. <laughs> Finger quotes. As he goes on in this piece, we get to hear about how Zach does things that I do every day as well. He tunnels his body, he says, through a few different sets of interwoven threads. A few sets because the first one that he tried on, he says, didn't satisfactorily create the illusion that my body is desirably healthy for copulation. As judged by a theoretical stranger I imagine in my head who I may encounter during the day. Again, we're batting a thousand here, right? And finally, after strapping himself, he says, into a small rocket room powered by the burning remains of prehistoric kelp, all true, to get to and from work, he returns home and he pushes buttons on a small plastic box that pulsate electromagnetic waves at a bowl of elbow-shaped dried wheat and edible orange-tinted chemicals made to resemble cheese. It's like he knows me, you guys. I stir together the wheat and the chemicals, and I carry them towards the flap of exposed muscle in my mouth, which is the only body part of mine that allows me to experience taste. There is so much in our everyday, regular, boring, mundane lives that is wild. 
right? Wild when we actually stop and think about what's really going on. When we stop and think about what has really happened to enable that to happen for us in those moments. Did anybody lose power this week? Some of you have still not got power, I know, right? How easy is it to realize suddenly that all those things that just happen like this are not there anymore? I had a fantasy as a kid that I would play over and over in my mind. I wondered, did anybody else have this fantasy of, like, if an alien came down to our planet and I got to show it around? Right? Anybody else? Yeah. Or, or like, maybe just an exchange student, right, from a very completely different culture or place. And that I would get to show them through these fresh eyes of them seeing what the world was like. We love stories like this. We're entertained by this kind of fantasy, I think because we find them literally refreshing, right? We use the word refresh now most often to click a button on our web browser and see a new page. But refresh, to refresh, to see with new and fresh eyes, to take a look or to taste or hear or smell something as if we're doing it for the very first time. It is a huge part I think, of what draws us into this spiritual life. A huge part of what I think people seek in communities like this one. Because that ability to refresh is part of being awake. Part of being awake and experiencing our lives directly in each moment, if not in each and every moment, at least more often. Being awake to this world. Our message series that I'm beginning today that Reverend Ken and I will be preaching on along with one of our worship leaders, Frank Zinni, is called Keeping It Green. Keeping It Green, all about the ways that we wake ourselves and each other up, all about the ways that we practice receptivity and remain open to what is fresh and new and emerging in our lives. I have to say that I like this theme that we're going to be digging into together for the next few weeks, but it is a tricky one to preach about. It feels to me like there's something missing where I I can talk about this, but I can't make anyone wake up, right? It's an orientation that has to come from inside of ourselves. If we are caught up in, as we often are, right, the drudgery, the boredom, If we're caught up in this sense that life is dim and cloudy and feels flat and the same day after day after day, if that is true for any of us, then actually having a preacher talk about the value of fresh perspective can feel a little bit like adding insult to injury, right? can feel a little bit like driving a wedge even further between how we feel, our experiences in our real lives, And this vision that I cast, right, of some fascinating, magnificent world that's full of curiosities and gifts and joys. When I thought about that, I thought of this thing that maybe happened to you growing up. Did any of your parents try this? When your kids say, you never buy me anything, there's a gift bow on the light switch. There's a gift bow on the gas range, the faucet, the milk, the bread. Now, my dad didn't go this far. He didn't actually waste money on gift bows. He wouldn't have done that. 
But I heard a lot when I was growing up about the gift of the roof over my head, right? You know, it's funny, even though I recognize now that he was absolutely right, it didn't exactly inspire spontaneous gratitude (laughs) in the moment. Maybe that's because if we are being honest, we recognize that gratitude is not the only thing that emerges for us when we take this fresh look at our lives. It might be there. But as Zach Bornstein's exercise shows us, when we wake up to the things that happen all the time, the things we take for granted, that can produce a whole range of emotions, including alienation, bewilderment, guilt, resentment, sometimes right alongside, mixed in with that fascination or appreciation or gratitude. There's so much going on in our heads all the time. There are so many stories we tell and retell ourselves that are not about the reality and the fresh experience of the present. A couple of weeks ago, maybe a week ago Wednesday, there was that unseasonably warm day. Did you all remember that notice? I think it was 73, 74 degrees, oh, right? And it was perfectly timed, like a gift directly to me. I'm sure that's what it was, because Wednesday Wednesday is my regular day off from my work here at Wellsprings. I take it in the middle of the week since, you know, working on the weekends, obviously. And here was this gorgeous, warm day. I had nothing on my calendar. I left my coat at home. Ha! <laughs> left my coat at home. I went out to run errands all around the city where I live in Philadelphia, I took the long way everywhere. I went to my favorite place for lunch, and I got takeout, and then I walked over to this little park in Center City. It's called John F. Collins Park. It's tucked in between office buildings and stores. I think it's at uh, between like 16th and 17th on Chestnut Street, right in the middle of Center City. It's this little stone spot, grassy, with a fountain right in the middle. And I walked into the park, and I looked for a bench to sit down on and eat my lunch outside. And lo and behold, what I sat next to took my breath away. On February, whatever that was, 23rd, 24th, dark, muddy, gross colors everywhere, and this one little shoot of green coming up out of the mud. I looked at this, and on the outside, my face looked like this. Next picture. Contentment, right? Ah. On the inside, I was more like this. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Spring! I was so excited, you guys. And what was funny is that even in that moment, even in that moment of feeling the joy and the gratitude for what was emerging for the spring season that's just around the corner, you know, I recognized, I remembered how even that feeling can be all relative in my life. I have observed myself over three decades, and I know that when August comes around and we have an unseasonably cool day, that same moment that we can actually quantify, right? That 74-degree moment. Do you know what I'll be doing if it's 74 degrees in August? Whining. <laughs> Whining. Miserable. Exact same experience, right? But I'm going to wake up that morning and go, oh, it's so cold. 
I have to wear sleeves today. Now, none of us are bad or wrong for shifting our perspectives like that. None of us are bad or wrong for getting caught up in our preferences, our stories, our habits of mind. It's not wrong. And the point of any kind of spiritual practice for us in our tradition, it's not to talk about how we're bad or wrong or we have to rid ourselves of some sort of brokenness. Our spiritual practices and our orientation to this world is just to wake up to those stories, just to become aware of those habits, just to see our preferences for what they are and that they are not the sum total of our reality. Just to see that makes space. Makes space for the fact that there might be more to this world than just what we feel we are so sure of that we feel we know and see in any given moment. Reverend Ken gets the credit for naming this message series because I'd actually never heard this phrase before a couple of weeks ago, keeping it green. You might be familiar with it. I learned that it's a phrase that's often used in the recovery community. Here at Wellsprings, we have an addictions and recovery ministry. Reverend Ken himself is open about his long-term recovery from alcohol addiction. And for people in recovery from any kind of substance use disorder, from a behavioral addiction, anyone who's seeking any kind of recovery from a destructive habit or pattern in their lives, keeping it green has a particular meaning. It's about remembering that it wasn't always this way. It's about keeping fresh the fact that we have grown from and out of some bad times, that that is part of our lives, too. And that's not keeping it green and remembering that because we want to be masochistic or because we beat ourselves up about our unhealthy habits. No, that's not why. It's more just to be true, to be true to where we've been because honesty and integrity is what helps us see the gift of what is here right now for what it is. That is what helps us not take for granted these gifts. There is an openness and a willingness to break open that the mud has to have for the new green shoots of that spring crocus to pop up. There's an openness in our perspective that we have to have if we ever want to learn anything new. If we ever want to be fascinated with something, a routine, a place, a person that we thought we knew inside and out. There's an openness and a willingness to break that we have to have. And that willingness shows up when we see with fresh eyes, all of those emotions showing up, that alienation, that guilt, that bewilderment, that appreciation, whatever that mix is, in those moments we wake up. Peace will come to us in those moments, not because we're feeling the exact right mix of positive things, but because we are practicing friendliness 
and openness, greeting it all. There are ways that we can each practice this in our day-to-day lives. And that is some of what you'll hear more about over these next six weeks. There are also ways that we can practice this collectively as a community. And this spring, we are also walking our talk with Keeping It Green here at Wellsprings. You may have read this week in your Wednesday email if you're on our email list or maybe seen in the order of service this morning that we're starting a process this spring to refresh our community, what we see here at Wellsprings, to recharge our DNA, as we call it. The DNA for us is that spiritual genetic code that we have as a community, the values that we hold most dear, the mission, the vision that shapes our choices here about what we do and don't do together as a community. We are opening up in a process led by four volunteers on our spiritual development ministry, a fresh look into who we are right now. Not who we were 11 years ago when we were founded and a group of wonderful, dedicated people put in the effort to write all those things, our vision, our mission, our values and beliefs. But looking around after a decade and hearing from all of you, from all of us, about who we are today. Now, don't worry if it sounds like I just invited you to a group document editing party. That's not what we're going to do. The sessions that you can sign up for, that you can check your calendar to see if any of them fit, you can just come to one. They're all going to be the same. And they are not about wordsmithing. They are about hearing from you what your experiences are here at Wellsprings. And there are actually some really kind of fun and creative activities planned for how we'll get to that together. Fun enough that the spiritual development folks will also actually be visiting with our kids on an upcoming Sunday in Youth Spirit and going through some of those same exercises with our littlest wellspringers to get their take on this present moment here and what they envision for our future together. I hope you will all, if you're here for the first time even, or if you've been here for all those 11 years, sign up for one of those sessions so that we can hear what this place looks like through your eyes. Back in October, we hosted our annual remembrance service. That one Sunday a year when we come together, just one service, we go over to the gym and we build an altar in the front of the room. And all of you bring your remembrances, your photos, your keepsakes from people that you love who are with you in your heart but no longer with us here in body. You might remember from October that on our altar we placed some rosemary, dried rosemary sprigs. Rosemary is considered a symbol of remembrance. It's funny, when you look stuff up like that online, right? You know, any of you who are couples or married, right, you might have looked up the anniversary gifts. You go, what did that come from, right? Why does one year mean paper and one year mean tin? Why does rosemary mean remembrance? Rosemary itself is actually a natural preservative. It is used to preserve food, to preserve living things when they have died, to make them last a little longer. Rosemary in ancient Rome was actually used in early embalming practices for human beings. 
tucking rosemary sprigs in and around the body as it was prepared for burial. And weirdly, because life is weird, as we've discovered today, scientists recently did studies to show that rosemary is not only a preservative of physical things, that rosemary actually helps us remember. They did a study with, uh, in the UK with about 150 people, and they piped that smell of rosemary, fresh rosemary, into the room, and those people did better, about 15% better on memory tests. So rosemary is for remembrance. And we have a gift for you today as we start off this message series. A gift to help us remember that dried rosemary from back in October. That it can live on in new ways. I want to invite you to take a packet of seeds. And since it's the 11 o'clock service and we don't have to pass these around anymore, if you feel called to take one of those fresh sprigs of rosemary, please feel free to take that home with you too. We may not use rosemary to embalm the dead anymore, but we do still use it to nourish new growth, to season all those dead plants and animals that the bones in our mouth turn into soup, right, before swallowing to recall those memories of the way that it used to be and maybe the way that it seems like it's always been, and yet in the very same breath, to notice that we can take in the fresh scents, the fresh smells, the fresh tastes of our lives. I hope that you will take some of these seeds to grow a new and living plant. And if you want to take a moment to stop and smell that scent, to do nothing else but let it connect you to this very moment, and to look at the world around you, the people around you, the people you may have gone to bed with and woken up with every morning for years, to take a look at the world and the people around you with fresh eyes, to be invited to open to whatever might emerge from the mud all around us. Amen. And may you live in blessing. Will you pray with me? Mysterious creator, force or being that made all of this. All of these gifts of the smells and the sights, the things that we touch and taste. Help us to be present. Help us to remember that when we look around at the world and it seems dull and everything looks the same, No depth, no imagination. Help us remember that creation happened long ago and it is still happening in every single moment. Help us remember that creation doesn't end as far as we know, as far as we've ever seen. Help us remember that in those moments that it seems boring and dull, that something might 
bring us out of that flatness, that we can always come back to what is around us, that we might notice a smell or a touch or a sight or a sound that brings us back to something fresh and that reminds us that things are still being created and emerging. For these prayers I've spoken and the prayers that each of these people carries on their hearts, we say amen.